morning, friends. Hey, I want to thank you for honoring God today by coming to church to worship Him and give Him glory. I appreciate that you made that a priority today, as we should every Sunday. An appointment with Him. How many of you have heard of the Heart Attack Grill? Have you heard of the Heart Attack Grill? Okay. It's a fast food franchise based out of Las Vegas. And if you look at this picture, this is their menu. Uh, Heart Attack Grill, tastes worth dying for. And they literally mean that. Uh, they got a single pipe ass burger and they got some flatliner fries, deep fried in pure lard. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Let's look at the burgers. Take a closer look. You got the single bypass burger, and you have the double bypass burger, and you have the triple bypass burger, and then the quadruple bypass burger. Now that quadruple has ten thousand calories in it. Average a day, we should eat about two thousand. It's like five days worth in one burger. Incredible. Well, John Bosis, we see a picture of him here. He's the one who founded uh, this franchise. And he says that he did it because he wanted to warn people about how dangerous fast food was. So it's set up like a hospital and all the waitresses are dressed like nurses, not like the outfits you'd find at Sherman. And uh, basically, it's the idea... There's warnings all over the place about why you shouldn't eat fast food. And he says he just wants to let people know how bad it is for you. He's a shyster, that man, I tell you. Yeah, he's making a buck. He's making a buck off of other people's sin. You know, if you're going to eat that thing, you've got to be called a glutton, I would say. <laughs> right? Yeah, so he's making money. Off of other people's sins. But it is a great example because today we're going to be talking about sin in our society. How do we remain holy as Christ followers in such a sinful world? Well, we're talking about hope in all the challenges of life, living in our culture. And we want to talk about motivations for holiness. As I study Scripture, it's very clear to me that, first of all, I'm a Christ follower, and therefore I'm holy in God's eyes. Positionally, He's forgiven me all of my sin. But at the same time, as I walk through life, I want to be sanctified or made more holy every day. I want to deal with sins as they come up in my life and put them in their proper place and Get control through the Holy Spirit. I want to grow in holiness, and it's a lifelong process. So here are some motivations that Peter gives us for holiness. The first motivation is God hates sin. God hates sin. In fact, He hated sin so much, He sent His Son, Jesus Christ, to die on a cross. He sacrifices a whole, his own son in order that sin might be defeated in our lives and that we might be free. That's, and when you think about it, just look around you. 
Just look at the marriage relationship. Very challenging relationship. Two sinners trying to do life together. <laughs> and even if they're Christ followers, they're still sinning, of course. And uh, so I reflect upon days past. I, I just, uh, it's devastating. And you all know this. Maybe you personally experienced it. But when it comes down uh, to marriage issues, it's all about sin. It's all about selfishness. I want it my way. And that's something that we are continually being tested in, in our relationships. And of course, you've seen so many relationships break down. You've seen so many teens go into rebellion. It's so painful. Friends, we've got to hate sin. As you are watching TV with your children or teenagers, I would encourage you to call out the sin when you see it. Now, that's a sin. That's a sin. <laughs> to say it too much, you're probably watching the wrong show. But the point is, is that you're communicating to them, the world is telling you that's okay. But that is not the case. First Peter 4.1 since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. For whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. Now whenever you see a therefore, you know that you have to look at the verses that came before it. Because he's making his point based on that. So we go back to 1 Peter 3.18. There's verses uh, like John 3.16 is the most well-known that just kind of summarize the gospel. Well, this is another one that you should memorize. First Peter 3.18. For Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the Spirit. So if you're here today and you're not sure about your relationship with God or just kind of checking things out. The gospel basically is, is that you are a sinner. You can't do anything that's going to please God. You just have to come before Him and say, I'm a sinner, Lord, and I know that Jesus Christ died for my sins on the cross. He paid the penalty that I should have paid. And I want, I want to receive that free gift of salvation. Salvation from an eternity separated from you and suffering. I just humbly come to you and I say, I want to be your child. Please come into my life. And that's how, one, that's how a person becomes a Christ follower. And that's the beauty of the gospel. But I love that verse so much. I've used it so much in evangelism. It uh, really kind of really specifically talks about how salvation happens. Well, let's go back to 1 Peter 4.1. Since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, arm yourselves with the same way of thinking. Whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. That's a little hard to understand. Okay, so since therefore Christ suffered in the flesh, that's referring to his death. Okay? Arm yourselves with the same way of thinking for whoever has suffered in the flesh. What is that? The same thing. Someone who has died because of their faith in Jesus Christ has ceased from sin. 
The only way you're going to stop sinning is to die. Right? <laughs> I don't care if you're 110. You know the Bible back and forth. You're still a sinner. And you're still going to continue to sin. But hopefully, as we said, step by step, God leads you into more practical holiness. And you get, get, God helps you get control of one area, whoop, and another area, you know, pops up. And that's the way it is all lifelong. But, but you're, you're becoming more pure. And it really is a wonderful process as you live life uh, God's way. So what Peter is saying uh, to these people who were actually suffering for Christ, they were being persecuted, they were being martyred, he's saying, listen, Arm yourselves with this day of thinking. Christ died for your sin. And if you die because you're a Christian, you'll cease from sin. So, if you're over in Nigeria or Iraq, and we've heard the terrible stories that have come out of there. In fact, uh, uh, the World Watch Group did a study and persecution in 2014 was the worst it's been since 1994 when the Berlin Wall was still up. Wow. And it's so, I mean, it's like they're not, I think they're all demon-possessed personally. To treat people like that, to kill children, behead them, put them on sticks, their heads, I mean... It is just nasty. It's just so sinful. It is so sinful. Yeah. But at the same time, what he's saying to them, how are you going to arm yourselves? Okay, so we're in a spiritual battle here, and Satan wants to slow us down from carrying the gospel. Satan wants to distract us. What do you arm yourself with? It says, arm yourself with the same way of thinking. Whoever has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. You know what you're saying? You're saying, you know, I'm going to arm myself. And the worst thing that this world can do is kill me. And that really is a benefit because then I'm going to heaven. <laughs> Friends, I can guarantee you from the study of God's Word that your first day in heaven, you'll say, why did I, why'd you leave me down there so long? <laughs> It's going to be incredible. It's going to be fantastic. A lot of people say, uh, heaven, I guess I'll hang out there. Whatever God wants. No, no, no. It's an awesome place. And so he was saying to these people, just like the people in Nigeria and Iraq and other areas of the world where persecution is happening, he's saying, listen, suffer with Christ. If it comes that, arm yourself with that. And say, okay, the worst thing that can happen is they can kill me. But that's good because then I can cease from sin and I can be with God forever. Yeah. Amen. Well, let's take a look at uh, the third reason for godliness. We are saved to do God's will. We are saved to do God's will. First Peter 4, 2. So as to live for the rest of the time in the flesh, no longer for human passions, but for the will of God. 
Now, why did God give you this beautiful gift of salvation? The privilege of being His child and all His resources at your fingertips. Why? Because He wanted you to live for Him. He, wanted, he wants you to submit to Him and live the life that He wants. So, if you're not a Christ follower, you have no clue about Christ and what the world's all about, so you just kind of go where your passions take you, right? But, if you are going along and the Holy Spirit moves you and you become a Christ follower, you are to repent, which means to turn around and go the other direction in your behavior. Have a whole new life where people will notice. How many of you came to Christ and uh, you were involved in a lot of different things and you got out of them and your, your friends uh, were just shocked? Anybody out there? All right. Brett just recently came to the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Because why do they feel that way? Well, because uh, they don't want to feel guilty. Right? Yeah, so they're going to start persecuting you because you represent the light. There is such a drastic change at conversion. And no matter how long we've been Christians, it's still an adventure. You know, following Jesus Christ. It's like, it's like having a child, right? Having a child. That changes your whole family. You know, you have the pregnancy, and of course, that sometimes can be very difficult. But when that child arrives, your whole world changes. You know, the Bubises had a Elizabeth. Raise your hands, you guys, if you're there. Oh, all right, Tim's there. Okay. And uh, just last week, Elizabeth, and uh, I also have a 14-month-old, a 16-month-old. And so your, your life has changed quite a bit, hasn't it, bud? <laughs> yeah. It does. That first baby throws you for a loop, and uh, you just keep looping. Back, I, lo- I, I love Jim Gaffigan. How many are fans of Jim Gaffigan? All right. Well, he came up. He came out with several different books, but one is "Dad Is Fat" that I've been listening to on audio. So I, I got a, a quote off the internet, and here it is: Babies are the worst roommates. They're unemployed. They don't pay rent. They keep insane hours. Their hygiene is horrible. If you had a roommate that did any of the things babies do, you'd ask them to move out. (laughs) Well, I tell you, if you need some comedic relief, if you need to laugh, you pick up that book or the audio version of the book because he keeps you laughing, especially if you're in that phase of life. Oh, man. It really is very, very Funny, but the point is, is that when you become a Christ follower, everything changes. I mean, you used to spend your... Well, let's talk about when, first when you become a parent, okay? When you become a parent, well, your time allotment changes, right? I mean, now you've got a, a new person in the house who wants everything now. And so, so you've got to give a lot of time over to that person. And, and then your money goes to that person. I can remember disposable diapers. Oh, it was painful to buy those. <laughs> and uh, In fact, we lived up in Nina. That was the home of Kimberly Clark. And so sometimes we'd become part of a diaper study where uh, they'd give us diapers 
And then we would put them out on our porch and they would take them and study them. And hey, whatever. <laughs> so it was a good deal to me. <laughs> yeah. And it changes your leisure time. You don't have any leisure time anymore, right? When kids come on the scene, it seems. So now let's think about becoming a Christ follower. That changes everything. That changes your time allotment. Because, you know, if you really want to grow up, if you really want to dig in and, and grow deep as a disciple of Christ, you've got to be here on Sunday mornings, make this a priority, and, and just continue to listen and to grow and to, to flourish. And, and, of course, part of a small group where you can talk with other people that, uh, again, we all have our struggles. We're all dealing with some type of sin in our life or we're going through challenges and, of course, being in service here in our ministry. That's a very important thing. We need to be disciple makers. We need people in Kid City. We need people as hosts. We need people in production. So if you're not serving here, I would really encourage you if you call this your home. Because that, what God has, that's what God has done. He has called you to use uh, your abilities for Him. And then when you think about money, yeah, your money... It kind of switches around because, again, you're part of the kingdom of God. And you realize what the kingdom of God is. So you start giving to God first. That's your first priority is to honor God because He is the source of all good things. And therefore, through your giving, we can be in this building and have all the ministries that we have that are touching so many people's lives. Uh, again, that sign that we're putting up out there. Hopefully it'll be up by sometime in May. But your gifts to that sign, I think the Holy Spirit's really going to use that to bring all different types of people uh, to our church and let them know that this is a place where they can be cared for. Uh, a true hospital, not the uh, heart attack grill. All right. So that's what God wants. He saved us so that we could do God's will. And that should be our motivation. I mean, God paid the ultimate price. So every morning we wake up uh, to love and know Him. Another reason for being holy, a motivation, is sin is painful. Sin is painful. 1 Peter 4, 3. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do. Living in sensuality, passions, drunkenness, orgies, drinking parties, and lawless idolatry. For the time that is past suffices. So he's talking to these Christ followers and say, hey, you got no more time for those type of activities. That's sin. You got to cut all those things off. You got to do everything you can uh, to be as far away as you can from them because ultimately we know that sin is painful. Whenever we go against God's will, we're going to experience some pain. Now, this is quite a description here. It talks about sensuality. In the original language, that means without restraint. Passions, it speaks of excessive pleasure. Drunkenness means you know, wine bubbling up, the idea of intoxication. Orgies, wild sexual parties. Drinking, drinking again, that's interesting, isn't it? That's mentioned twice. Because it was a real problem. 
And friends, I just wanted to take a moment. Uh, as I was preparing this, I thought, you know, I should address this. But you know, the, the Bible does not say don't drink. Okay? So it's your choice. Uh, the key passage that you need to study is 1 Corinthians chapter 8, where it talks about the weaker brother. It talks about the person who feels that alcohol is sinful or they're an alcoholic and, and therefore you choose not to drink in order not to be a stumbling block to someone else. Now back in that day, they sacrificed food to idols and then they would resell it in the marketplace. Now again, there was nothing wrong with buying that food and eating it, but some Christ followers felt it was wrong because it had been sacrificed to an idol. And therefore, Paul and, and others chose to not involve themselves in something that was not wrong, but somebody else thought it was wrong. And therefore, it would lead them astray. That's, that's a core passage. And of course, I as a spiritual leader have chosen to be abstinent. My first church that I started was up in Nina, Wisconsin. Uh, Wisconsin is the beer capital of the world. I mean, more pubs per capita than any other state. And I tell you what, you see the pain in people's lives. I can remember one woman who would come to our church and her, her husband was an alcoholic and uh, he would just berate her. She'd always, he would always use my name. What would Pastor Dan say? What would Pastor Dan say? I met him once, but uh, friends, I tell you, alcohol is extremely dangerous because it's so easy to become addicted to it. Because let's face it, life is hard, right? Life is hard. And if we're using alcohol as another type of self-medication to deal with our pain, you can easily slip into an addiction to it. Uh, I just recently heard a story of a young man who made a decision while he was uh, drunk that you know, really, is, really has hurt him. Uh, and another reason, personally, uh, that I don't drink is because of my kids. First of all, it's because I won't be a stumbling block to any of you who might have struggled with alcoholism or uh, again, might be looking to me if you see me uh, drinking or something like that. You might think, well, it's not that bad, you know. But uh, so that's the first reason. It, if there's any weaker brothers here, I don't want to lead them astray. The second thing is for my kids, I don't want to model something that could bring them into great pain. So, I mean, if You've got liquor all around the house. You know, you might be able to handle it, but will your kids be able to handle it and drink responsibly? And I've had some crazy conversations with parents about alcohol and teenagers and drinking uh, below the age. And man, I tell you, uh, Satan can use alcohol in so many ways because what it does is it controls our mind and we do stupid things. Okay, so I would encourage you to study that on your own. First Corinthians eight, 
Go on the internet, you'll see all the different views. But it's your decision, right? It's your decision. But again, you need to think about it, think through it, and then make a decision. All right. And please don't put pictures on Facebook with you holding alcohol. Please don't do that. Talk about the weaker brother. You know, put that down, put it out of the way, and then take a picture. All right. Uh, we are saved. Uh, oh, excuse me. Number four motivation for uh, uh, holiness is sin is painful. Sin is painful. Painful. First Peter four three. For the time that is past suffices for doing what the Gentiles want to do, living in sensuality and uh, passions and drunkenness and drinking parties and lawless idolatry. Uh, you know, when we think about sin, we think about uh, Las Vegas, right? Sin City. What happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. That's not true. You go to Vegas and you come back. You are the problem. Las Vegas is not. They are just the ones who entertain you and give you the opportunity uh, to sin in whatever ways. Forty million visitors per year. It was interesting. I came across this study about the seven deadly sins and if you can take a look at this, uh, we've got uh, all the seven deadly sins. And what they did is a study of all the cities, big cities in the nation, to find out which of them was more sinful. Uh, so they measured lust by strip clubs per capita, pride by cosmetic surgeons per capita, wrath by violent crime per year per 1,000 residents, envy, theft per year per 1,000 residents, Greed, percentage of disposable income given to charity each year. Gluttony, percentage of obese residents. And sloth, percentage of physically inactive. Now let's see the list. St. Louis, Missouri! Don't move there. Like you're moving to Las Would you say, hey, I'm moving down to Las Vegas. You know, don't move to St. Louis, you know. Let's go to the baseball team they have. But you've got the list here. Orlando, Florida, Minneapolis, Minnesota, Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, Cincinnati, Ohio, Miami, Florida, Buffalo, New York, Detroit, Michigan, and Las Vegas. Isn't that interesting? Because sometimes when we read a passage like this, we say, wow, those guys are really out there. I mean, they were just sold out to sin. But friends, when you look at the list, let's go back to the list of the seven deadly sins. Okay, lust, pride, wrath, envy, greed, gluttony, and sloth. I would encourage you to write those down. Or you can look them up on the Internet. <laughs> and just take some time with God and review each one because, friends, each of us is capable of sinning in these areas. And there are some people who say, well, I've been, I'm a mature Christian. I only sin like uh, once or twice a week. Hey, you are either incredibly arrogant or you're delusional. There's only two options for you, friends. Because when you grow in Christ, you realize you're more sinful than you ever have been. That's why Paul said, hey, I'm the biggest sinner of all. Because he was so mature. Now again, there's a growth process in regards, you know, taking step by step. You take one sin at a time. And again, you ask the Spirit to help you conquer it. And you get support from friends. And then another thing will come up. 
But the thing is, you will grow and you'll become more holy and it will impact your whole life. It will impact your relationships. It will impact your relationship with God and everything else. Here's a funny story uh, by Mike uh, Howiton. He wrote the book Glorious Mess, a true story from his childhood, okay? Uh, every tackle, he was talk- they were basically having a uh, mud football game. Every tackle would send you sliding for year, yards and yards. The ball was like a grease pig, which meant tons of fumbles and game tackles and laughter. I remember tackling one of my friends and watching him skim across the surface of the water for something like four miles and thinking, I might be in heaven. When he got up, I noticed something stuck on his shoulder. I peered closer, wondering, what is that? Now, there was a huge concrete sewage runoff drain right next to the gully. And apparently during heavy rains, all sorts of things got backed up. And I don't know if the apartment complex immediately next to the school burst a pipe or what, but I do know that we didn't really pay attention to what was floating in the water until I noticed that something on Craig's shoulder. I peered the same instant I realized the smell surrounding me was a bit more pungent uh, than a typical mud football game ought to smell. I yelled out, we're playing in poop water! And we bolted for home as fast as we could. That's what Christianity is all about, friends. You realize you're, you're, you're doing life in poop water. Really? It's true. And, but when you, when you come to Christ and you live year by year for Him, he helps you identify where the poop is and how to get more of it out of your life and just to be a more whole and healthy spiritual person. I love that illustration. Let's go to the next one. Uh, motivations for holiness. Be a witness to the world. Be a witness to the world. First Peter 4.4 4. With respect to this, they are surprised when you do not join them in the same flood of debauchery and they malign you. So he's talking about, again, people being Christ followers in that day. And that was much more significant back in that day because of persecution. And the religious festivals would basically include all the things that we talked about. I mean, they made their own religion. And they made it all about their desires. So when they would step out of that, I mean, those regular holidays going on and things like that, people would be shocked. How many of you when you became Christ? I think I asked this question, didn't I? But uh, people have been... We're shocked by your behavior. Because why, why aren't you playing with us anymore? And they're going to malign you. How many, how many have been maligned for the name of Christ? No. No. Thank you. That's the highest honor you can give Christ. Is to speak out about your affiliation with Him. Your love for Him. And to have somebody uh, come back at you with some type of you know, derogatory comment or have rumors spreading around the office or or even to lose your job. We've had people here at Springbrook that they were told to do something unethical and they said no. And they gave up their job. That is the highest way you can honor Jesus Christ. They're suffering for Him. Suffering for Him, which of course they were doing.
A fifth reason, or fifth uh, reason for motivation for holiness, is Jesus will be the ultimate judge, 1 Peter 4, 5. But they will give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. That means everybody's going to have to answer to Jesus Christ. Hebrews 9, 27. And just as is it appointed for man to die once, and after that comes judgment. Friends. There is no purgatory. There is no holding cell where you can make up for this life. Once you breathe your last breath, and if you have not, if you've not accepted that free gift of salvation, uh, you're not going to be in heaven. And Jesus Christ is going to be the judge. He's the one who's going to make the decision. And the only people who are going to live with Him are people who have accepted Him. People who have become Christ followers by putting their, their faith in Him. Whenever I think about this, boy, I tell you, if you want to get motivated to evangelize people, just think about what hell is like. It's the last thing you want for anybody, right? So, as we look in First Peter 4, 6, for this is why the gospel was preached even to those who are dead, that though judged in the flesh the way the people are, they might live in the Spirit the way God does. Now, what does that mean? The dead, they're, they're getting the gospel? No, it just means people who uh, heard the gospel and took it for themselves before they died. Now they're dead, but again, they're still, of course, with God. That though judged in the flesh the way the people are, they might live in the Spirit the way God does. Friends, Easter is coming up, and Easter is, again, one of the most natural opportunities to invite people out to church. A lot of people, you know, who are thinking they're going to get to heaven uh, by their behavior, think they at least have to come to church on Christmas and Easter, called Christers. <laughs> and we want to tell these people there is so much more. Oh, there's so much more. So last week we asked you to fill this particular insert out. And if you didn't, uh, you weren't here, I'd encourage you to take it now. And what we're doing is four by four prayer for the lost. So what you do is you pick out four families or individuals who live in this area that you actually could invite out to church. And who are the four people in your life, in your neighborhood, at your workplace, on your sports team, that you could invite out the church. So you take that and then you pray for them four minutes a day, four times a week for four weeks. So we're going into the uh, second week here. But I, I just, prayer is where it's at, man. And we are the ambassadors for Jesus Christ. And again, Easter is an easy invite. People don't get all, you know, if they have issues with uh, Christianity or whatever, or, or they're not going to church, whatever the case might be. It's just, hey, we want to come celebrate Easter uh, with us. And uh, so you do all that, and then uh, we're getting some cards, some invite cards, uh, because we're starting a new series uh, in James. We're going to study through the book of James and wisdom uh, for life. It's all kind of practical ways uh, to grow in Jesus Christ. And so you'll get those next week, and then you can use those as, you know, invites to the people that you want to 
bring to church. Now, we're not doing postcards uh, this Easter because we're putting it toward our sign. Uh, so, friends, please be praying. In fact, I, I saw one of my neighbors at Walmart, and I said, hey, you come out. I invited him to church, of course. Hey, you coming out Easter Sunday? He said, well, I work a lot of Sundays. And I said, well, if you have Easter open, I want you to come. And so on the week before Easter comes, I will talk to him again. Do you have Easter off? Oh, no. What's the next Sunday you have off? Oh, the next week. Well, come then. Come then. <laughs> you know, it takes people so long, it seems, to come to Christ. And you just have to keep you know, throwing the seeds out there. Because you care about them. You care about their spiritual lives. And uh, you want to experience the grace. You want them to experience the grace uh, that you've experienced. Another thing is we have our yard signs. How many have this at home? Anybody have these in their garage? All right. Well, put them out there. We've got a few out here. We might get more. But again, this is a beautiful way to be a witness in your neighborhood. And some of you are thinking, well, what are my neighbors going to think? Well, that's the whole point, isn't it? (laughs) And if you're afraid of putting this in your yard, you really need to think about it. You know? I'm not saying you have to do it, but I'm just saying, what's keeping you from putting this in your yard? Is the neighbor going to get mad at you? That's persecution, right? That honors God. I don't want my neighbor mad at me. Well, I mean, when you see, when you see what's happening around the world, what's the big deal about a sign telling people that you follow Jesus Christ? So they're out there if you want to grab one. Uh, so, yeah, be praying for our Easter services. Our Good Friday services at 7. And then we'll have the normal two services on Sunday uh, at Easter. All right. Uh, number seven is dependence on God. And this is really kind of sums it all up. Because there's no way that we can become holy on our own. It's only through our submission to the Spirit. And saying, I'm ready. Change me. Empower me. Help me. And then your effort. It takes some effort on your part. God does a part and you do a part, right? Yeah. And again, that's how you are changed. Dependence on God. Uh, Verse 7, the end of all things is at hand. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. The end of all things, the word is telos in the original language. It doesn't speak about the end of all things, but the end of the race. The goal when we are united with Jesus Christ is at hand. And some people say, well, it's been 2,000 years. Give me a break. Get Get on God's timetable, okay? He could wait another thousand years and it still would be at hand because we never know when it's going to happen. So we have to live in light of Christ's return. Therefore, be self-controlled and sober-minded for the sake of your prayers. So this is about prayer. We need to be self-controlled. Original language speaks of uh, saving your mind. Your mind being transformed. Uh, You're feeding uh, new food to it. And sober-minded, you have... Clarity of mind. Now, again, as I said before, 
the older you grow as a Christ follower, the more powerful your prayers will be and also the more intimacy you'll have with God. Like James said, uh, it's the righteous man. The prayer of a righteous man availeth much. Also, Scripture is a critical part of the growth process. And med- meditating and memorizing on Scripture. Memorizing Scripture. This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to according to all that is written in it. For then you will make your way prosperous and then you will have good success. Friends, please meditate on God's Word. In fact, I think on your insert, I have Scripture typer.com that's the program that we're encouraging people to use and you can either type it online the verses and memorizing them which some people like to do but I just like to get the flashcards on my smartphone and so I can just continue to review them wherever I might be but dive in dive in to prayer and grow in that way all right now we're gonna have Emily Phillips come out Emily is a part of our youth ministry and she started a ministry oh, six years ago called Pink. Purity is no compromise. You got it! There we right. go. <laughs> I didn't get right in the first service. No, I was just Yeah, but, but uh, I tell you, I just have been so impressed by Emily's leadership and just the number of ladies that get around this in order to have a retreat for young ladies. I mean... Ladies, can you imagine growing up in this culture? If you're a teenager right now, how confused you'd be about what do I do? What's right? What's wrong? I mean, basically we're telling all our kids, well, you, you can go this way sexually or you, just, you can go this way sexually. Absolutely. That's going to screw up a kid. Okay? It's doing it already. So the point is, is that we want to protect our kids from this. We want to teach them about purity. So, Emily, tell us about Pink. I would love to start off with our video. video, We have a great video that's going to give a snapshot, I think, of what what it's all about. Excited. Yeah, that's Very a fun, fun event. 105 girls last year. Oh, that's 105 awesome. 105 girls came. That's it's, awesome. It's yeah. Really, it's growing and, and yeah. on the move. So, tell us about this year. What you guys got planned? Well, as I, you see, our, our um, theme, actually, our 
ministry is called Pink. Um, purity is no compromise. And when we started off, we've, it was kind of a playoff of the Victoria's Secret Pink thing. We were really looking for an eye catcher to hook the girls in. Obviously, our pink is way different than their pink, <laughs> um, intentionally. Um, but this year, our theme underneath the umbrella of pink is guard your heart. You saw the verse, the Proverbs verse about guarding your heart. Everything else flows from it. Um, so this year, we, we're, we the theme of guard your heart, underneath that, we have different sessions we're offering called guard your choices, guard your relationships, guard your spirit, guard your body, and guard your mind. And under those different categories, we're offering lots of different, very specific sessions that the girls can select. Um, all kinds of things from... We're actually doing a Bible 101 session. We really feel like if we're bringing the girls into our building, we really want to be able to pour into them about what is God about? You know, why should I even stay pure? Who cares? The world says it's no big deal. Jesus cares. God God created you for a specific purpose, and we want each girl to know that before they leave. Um, Other sessions include uh, we have a licensed therapist who's coming this year, and she's going to talk about self-injury and eating disorders. We're not afraid to hit the big issues. Um, we're also having a very um, in-depth discussion about sex, sex and sexuality. These kids are being inundated with same-sex attraction. What does it mean? What's it mean for me when a friend says, hey, I'm gay? Well, you know, how do I deal with that? So we're really bringing in some, some heavy hitters that can talk to these girls about what does that mean and what does that look like. Um, we're also having some fun stuff. We're, we're doing some makeup things, um, how to apply makeup and not necessarily look like you belong on the cover of Vogue, but that you still can go to school and, and your mom is okay with it too. Um, some modesty discussions. Um, so really just a variety of topics. But every year we try to reinvent pink so that girls don't ask me that question they always ask, which you can guess. Yeah, exactly. Should I come back again? Yeah, I've Do I been. need this? Yeah, I've been. I don't need to go again, right? <laughs> um, well, the answer always is 364 days of the year you are pounded with Everything the world says is acceptable. One day a year, come here and let us pour into you. You can't ever get that. One year is, is, is not going to do that. Come back every year. We want to continue to pour into you. Now, is this for just the girls in our ministry? Or? Absolutely not. That is the cool thing about it. We've worked hard to make this um, reasonably priced. It's $38. So the girls come on Friday night, um, and they will. we're actually going to transform the gym into a whole carnival atmosphere. We're going to do a Zumba thing, and we've got a huge photo booth that we're going to do for all kinds of selfies and some neat things. Um, then we're going to have a big concert in here Friday night. The girls will spend the night in here. Um, and then Saturday, it's, it's a lot of teaching. But certainly it's not just for our girls. This mm-hmm. is a discipleship opportunity to really spread the word to girls all over the area. We've partnered with Fox Valley last year. They sent yeah, some girls. Um, we've got some, you know, some information out to other area churches. Yeah. So the more girls, the better. We are going to cap it at 100 just because... We want to be able to offer the girls some individualized attention. So the sessions end up being about 20 girls mm-hmm. per session. That gives them a chance to do some interacting, some Q&A, um, mm-hmm. and really us, us to be able to pour into them truly because that's, that's what we're all about. That's what yeah. we really want to do. So um, they can register on the website, springbrookyouth.org. Um, there's also a hideously beautiful, big, fluffy pink chair in the foyer (laughs) (laughs) that that has got pink written all over it. Um, And my husband threatened to uh, get that. It had to get out of the house this weekend. So it was sitting in our living room for the past two weeks. I recovered it. And so it's sitting out there. 
take your picture with it, have some fun with it. Um, it was such a joy before the service. I saw a couple um, of our eight and nine-year-old girls sitting in that chair, and I just uh, thought, oh, that's why we're doing this. Yeah, that's our future. Yeah. So, um, so anyway, please yeah. register. It's, it's an opportunity you don't want to miss. It really uh, is. Let's pray for this ministry. Lord, I want to thank you so much uh, for Justin, our youth pastor, and how he has put together a wonderful team of people. Uh, to minister and to help our youth uh, through uh, dangerous waters. And I thank you so much for Emily and her passion for teaching teenage girls purity. And I just pray that they would max out because teenagers need this so much because, again, it's so confusing. So I want to thank you for Emily and her great team that surrounds her. They do an incredible job, and this, this is worth more, a lot more than $40, I'll tell you that. So I, I just pray that uh, uh, if you have a teenage daughter, uh, or if anyone has a teenage daughter, that they would invite uh, their daughter, and, uh, and then those who know of other teenage daughters, grandchildren or whoever, Lord, we pray that you would bring the people you've chosen to come to hear about your word. And how to live a holy life in a sinful world. In Christ's name, amen.